Hi. We sound so good. Uh, I I hope we do. Yes. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Cage Off. This is a Nicholas Cage podcast dedicated to finally answering the question: What is the best Nicholas Cage film? And what is the best Nicholas Cage film? You can let us know on uh, Twitter at Cage Off Podcast. Um, yeah. My name's Logan. I'm Ashley. And we have a new recording setup now. We have some decent microphones. And we each have our own microphone. Yeah, this is that cool. This is it's a big day. I can finally just like sit back and relax on the couch. Yeah, we're, we're no longer shackled to my dining room table. It's mm, really great. We're drinking some Bloody Marys. Mm, it's in listen, di- listen. different from normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's fairly early in the day still, so it's not really appropriate for, you know, wine. <sighs> I think it's always appropriate time for wine, but... <sighs> That's good. Yeah? Oh, we're just taking a break to sip some Bloody Marys. Mm, yeah, these are good. Yeah. It's also my birthday. Mm, happy birthday, um, baby. Yeah, thank you. I just thought I would throw that out there. I mean, this won't be posted on my birthday, but you know. How old are you? I'm old. Yeah, old man. I'm 26. I turned 26 today. You starting? Did you get some gray hairs this morning? I thought I saw some. <gasps> what? What are you talking about? I see them. Where? Listeners, beware! Logan has gray hair now. No, I don't. That's a lie. <laughs> I look like Nicolas Cage and dying of the light um or the end of captain corelli's mandolin yeah when he comes back and he's yeah and he's got some gray in his hair yeah that's basically what that's I how you know like time now. has passed by the way like when somebody comes back and they've got gray hair mm-hmm. exactly it's a good way to show the passage of time and also it's a good way to show the passage of time in our first movie today which is peggy sue got <gasps> wow. married. wow look at that what a pivot so today we are <laughs> discussing peggy sue got married and the Rock. One of your favorite films. A pivotal, a pivotal film. You said pivot twice in the past couple minutes. Do you <sighs> like the word pivot? Yeah. You like to do like quick, short, like turnarounds? Take some really decisive steps? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it so often. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Okay, so um, yeah, we're starting with Peggy Sue got married. Um, do you want me to go ahead and give the IMDb premise? Please. Okay, so Peggy Sue got married is a 1986 um, film. It's got it's directed by Francis Ford Coppola, um, who is Nicolas Cage's uncle. The second uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie we've covered. Yeah, first one was. Uh, uh, Rumblefish. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I liked this one a lot. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so the lead actress in this film is Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nicolas Cage is the, um, I guess, the love interest in this film. You could say yes. that in a way. Um, there's also a few other people uh, There's a, that we'll talk about later. But there is a cameo, kind of a cameo. He's not really in it much of... Um, Jim Carrey? Yeah, Jim Carrey. I mean, it's not really a cameo. He's like a secondary he's a character, character. Yeah, whatever. Um, 
Anyway, what's the premise? Mm. Our listeners are dying to know what this movie's about. Peggy Sue faints at a high school reunion. When she wakes up, she finds herself in her own past just before she finished school. Wow. Yeah. So, because this came out in 1986, 25 years before 1986, I guess really 1985 is whenever the movie, the, the later part of the movie takes place. Yes. She goes back to 1960. Yes, this is a time travel movie. Yeah, which is not... I didn't know that what it, that it was a time travel movie. We, I don't think we either of us knew anything about like what's, what this movie was about before yeah. we watched it. Like, I was looking forward to... I was actually not looking forward to watching this film because I thought it was going to be really lame. I didn't know that it was a time travel movie. Yeah, so, I mean, this... I don't know. Uh, Back to the Future came out the year before this movie did. Oh. So, I don't know. I feel like there was a wave of like time travel movies in like the mid to late 80s due to that movies you know have you seen back to the future no oh it's something we should watch probably it's a good movie yeah yeah so this starts off with peggy sue bodell right sitting in front of a tv set with her daughter played by uh helen hunt is her daughter yeah so they're sitting there watching um tv and you see Nicolas Cage in a furniture warehouse selling furniture. And he's crazy. Mm. Sh- shades of uh, Nathan, Arizona, perhaps. Yeah. Cra- he's crazy Charlie. He's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's sitting there, um, you know, doing crazy Charlie. And she's like, turn that shit off, essentially. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Um, because we, she reveals a few minutes later that That's Charlie her. had been in, you know, had had a... Uh, another lover that's her ex-husband yeah so they had been married and he cheated on her and so they were getting a divorce during this time period so she's sitting there with her daughter beth and she's getting ready for her 25th high school high school reunion yes and she gets into this dress that she wore in high school Mm -hmm. back in 1960 and uh she reveals like like she gets ready and she looks fantastic she's got a beautiful snatched waist Beautiful snatched waist. She's snatched. You know what snatch means? I don't know what that means it in means the context she's like of a really skinny. Oh, I see. Yeah. So she can still fit in the same dress that she wore in high school. Mm. Um, and so she goes to the reunion. She gets to see her best friends, Maddie and Carol. And, uh, you know, she's hanging out, having a good time. I guess kind of looking over things, looking at old pictures of her and, and Charlie from whenever they were king and queen. Yeah. Did sorry, did one of um her friends, the one who who doesn't have like the long neck and like the glasses. Did she like resemble Kristen Wiig to you a little bit? Maddie? I don't know one of her friends. I don't remember their names. Um I won't, I don't know which actresses there. I know one of them was familiar to me. Um like Let's look. There's one that is like in the 1960 timeline is like wearing these like point these like weird shaped glasses and has like the short curly hair so there's Catherine hicks and joan allen and uh Catherine Catherine hicks is the one that i'm thinking of okay so Catherine hicks i don't who'd you say you thought she she I, she resembled like Kristen wig to me like, uh, not to me. I mean, uh, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to take us off 
the plot. No, it's fine. I'm trying to figure out what I knew her from because I'd seen her before. Yeah, I think I looked her up while we were watching it, and I don't remember. She's definitely been in something that I've seen before. Child's Play? No, I've not. I've not really seen any of the Child's Play movies. Yeah, there's not really anything that is on here that I would be like, oh, yeah, that's what you would know her from. Um, and then Joan Allen was familiar, too, but I can't figure out what I knew her from. Um, I knew her from she has a big role in the second season of Mad Men. Oh, but I haven't seen um, Mad Men. Well, that's where, it's, that's where I recognized her from. Oh, she's in The Notebook. Oh, I've not seen The Notebook. Uh, she's in Face Off. Oh, shit. That's John Travolta's wife. Yeah. I'm just now putting that together. I didn't realize I was the same person from... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I feel like a big old dummy now. Yeah. Uh, that's where we knew her from. <laughs> wow. So, well, I guess it's not a reunion because this movie came out first. Yeah. But so, Cage and Joan Allen. So, Face Off is the reunion. Yes. Well, I mean, are, are, they're not really in any, any scenes together in this movie, I guess. Not really, no. Yeah. So, no. never mind. Uh, this is just a coincidence. Yeah, and he doesn't have sex with her in this movie. Hmm. So, um, so she runs into um, her friend from not her friend from high school, but this like geek from high school, Richard Norvik, and he's like now like a, a billionaire or whatever. And uh, yeah, and a thing to point out in this part of the movie is that these are like actors in their like mid. 20s to their early 30s playing 25 years playing people in their like late 40s yeah and then also playing high school high schoolers as well well, yeah everyone has like kind of he uh, richard has like a mustache and like gray hair um kind of like i have now and like jim yeah 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 another 26 and jim carrey looks they like try to age him but he really doesn't look i mean he just he has glasses on yeah they (laughs) like all they did with they tried to age them but they didn't do a very good Um, job of that jim carrey does cocaine in the in the bathroom at one point yeah reunion with uh one of with one of uh peggy sue's friends yeah anyway so uh, Richard Norbeck is was a was a geek in high school, and she gets named king and queen with him, and she starts crying on stage. And yes. this is Charlie walks in like before, right before that, and he walk, and that's Nicolas Cage. He walks in with this like blonde pompadour, but like he kind of looks like shit here because they're supposed yes. to like he's supposed to look aged, and he like it's like kind he's, of gray, uh, and he's like fallen. He was like the hot dude in high school who's fallen from grace, mm. and he's aged and kind of uh, he. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll talk more about his look later on, like yeah. when we get into the past timeline. But this movie, like this this whole section at the reunion, it like looks great. It's like a really yeah. good looking movie. I was surprised by. So Peggy Sue's standing in Peggy Sue's standing in front, like on, on the stage with Richard Norvick, their king and queen of the reunion, and they bring out the we- reunion cake, and all of a sudden. Peggy Sue starts to feel lightheaded and faints. Yes. And then she wakes up and she's in a similar dress. It's like the same dress, but it's like toned down. She's in the same gym. She's in the high school gym is where the reunion is. And she wakes up there and like a nurse in like an old timey nurse's outfit is there like asking how she is Mm -hmm. it's like a blood drive is is happening is what's you know what i kind of wish had happened i wish that the movie had ended by her going to prom her senior year yeah and then 
like being transported back forward in time. Yeah, we'll talk about the ending of this movie. It's kind of weird. It's they kind of didn't do it the way that I hoped that they would do. No. This movie, no. this movie kind of lost me towards the end, but I mean, we'll get to it. So she um, goes back in time. She is giving blood um, She where she had just passed out. And all of her friends um, were back whenever they were teenager, teenagers or whatever. And they helped take her to the bathroom and try to get her all put together. And they think that she is acting weird because she had given blood. But really, she's like reacting to the fact that she had just been thrown back in time. And she hasn't like processed that yet. Yeah. So. And we basically we see all the same characters now in their younger selves, like at the blood drive. Mm-hmm. And we have Nick Cage, where he has his blonde pompadour, like bushy blonde eyebrows. Yeah, and this is before he gets his teeth fixed, so he's got these like weird, like fake teeth in front of his regular teeth. Yeah, no, the the fake. Uh, my understanding, I did a tiny amount of research this morning about this movie. Apparently, the fake teeth were it was like his choice, like that was a choice that he made that he wanted to do. Well, yeah, the fake teeth is were the fake teeth is important though because his teeth ba- at back then, if you really want to know, like watch Moonstruck again and look at his teeth. His teeth back then were not that great, so I think that they were a good choice, but they did make his voice sound weird, and he was also putting on a voice. Yeah, he's doing this like. Kind of like Millhouse from The Simpsons voice. Very weird. And yeah. he's, like I said, he has this blonde pompadour. Like, his eyebrows are blonde. He's, like, he dresses like a cool guy. He's in this, like, singing group with his friends. Um, yeah. Very strange. And he is her Peggy's love interest at the time or her boyfriend at the time. They're going steady. And, um, and she's, like, I don't know. The whole movie, she's basically just, like, being a giant asshole nick cage because like in her timeline they have had all these problems yeah she's like fuck this dude yeah exactly so she he's like following her around like a little puppy dog and uh she decides okay i'm freaking out i don't know what's going on you know who my friend is richard norvick so she like runs over to him and is like hey I need your help with something and he's like i don't i'm not taking any more tutors like any more tutoring and she's like He's like a science nerdy guy, so she figures that mm-hmm. he will understand what's happening to her. Yeah. Um. So she's he he's the first person she tells about like where she's come from. She only tells like two people really. Yeah, him and her grandparents. Yeah. Towards the end. Um. Okay. Th- th- then she goes back home. Yeah. And sees her parents and her little sister, mm-hmm. which. I don't know if we just missed this. No, they didn't talk about it. Okay. Is she, when she sees her little sister, she's like about to cry. She's like so moved by seeing her little sister. So I was like, are they going to reveal that like her sister has since died in like 1985? No. But they never do. No, they never do. So I don't so think I don't think that's the case. She said, I have too many broken relationships in my life. I think that her and her sister aren't close. Okay. And that they has. Yeah. They don't really set that up at all then. Yeah. So um, her and her sister like play games and she has a good time with that. And then she goes downstairs and like starts drinking whiskey while she's watching TV with her sister and her dad comes home and he's like, oh, come look at my new car. And she starts laughing because the car is, I think, a car that no longer runs and like it no longer is a vehicle that I've ever heard of. And she starts laughing at, oh, my God, you got this car. Yeah. And um, she is drunk. 
stumbling and her dad gets so pissed she, off she's taken like two like kind of quick shots of whiskey and she is like immediately hammered because she's like 17 years old i guess i don't know i mean that doesn't really wouldn't make you drunk instantly if you if i was 17 and i hadn't drank ever before like my body had never drank ever before and i took two shots of whiskey i mean yeah, but it's like immediately though is what I'm saying. Yeah. And then she goes back to drink more and he's like, young lady, you're grounded and like sends her upstairs. And she's just kind of laughing all this off because she's she, it's like just so novel that like she's back in her house in high school and she's yeah. kind of like not taking it seriously at all. Yeah. So um, the next morning she wakes up and she goes to breakfast with her parents and she's like, well, since I'm here, I might as well enjoy it. Yeah. And they're just like, what? OK. Yeah. Um, and then Charlie comes and picks her up. Yeah. And his. His blue, I don't know what kind of car it is. It's an Impala. It's an Impala. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. it's a blue Impala. And And it's a 19, like you had to think about like in 1960s cars, all these cars in this movie are like old timey 50s, 60s cars. And I feel like we've, we glossed over it kind of quickly, but his look in this movie is, is a thing to, a thing to behold. You definitely need Um, to look it up, guys. He's got, yeah, he's, in this scene, he's wearing like a blue, or not blue. A yellow V-neck sweater mm-hmm. and a white T-shirt. Yeah. Um, and he's got the blonde eyebrows and pompadour. Um, should we discuss his hair? Like what? What? Um, what we should give his hair for the hair report? I'm giving it an eight. Uh, I'm going eight point five. Ooh, so mm. we have an eight point two five. Wow. Great. <laughs> Um, so what happens next? Uh, so the, she goes back to school and yeah. she's also, um, she like starts, she's in class and she's sitting in literature and she hears that one guy, I don't know his name. Um, Michael. Yeah. She, his name? yeah, I think Michael, she hears him talk and she's like, oh wow, this, he's like a douchey, like <laughs> beat Nick. To, he's <laughs> he's like, like anti Hemingway. They're talking about Hemingway in class and he's like, I think Hemingway is trite. And like he's he's like that kind of guy. Honestly, <laughs> wonderful. Um, so she essentially is like, okay. where's a leather jacket? Yeah, and everybody else, you know, he's and a like, turtleneck. Yeah, everybody else so. is wearing like you know their like little Prep. preppy outfits, and so he's wearing like a. That's the kind of person this guy. Is. He's very different from them. Yes, and so he's she an is like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, they then go to that night. She comes home, and her mom's like, you got to get ready for a party. And she's like, what party? And it's like one of her best friend's birthday parties. Yeah. And so uh, Nicolas Cage comes to pick her up and he's sitting there with like with his parents. Sorry, with her parents. Um, and her dad's like lecturing him and it's like, oh, you b- be careful. Don't go too far. You know, she's been acting weird funny recently. And uh, he's like, oh, gosh, sir. Oh, gosh, sir. I would never do that. <laughs> you make him sound like a, <laughs> like an old like oil that's how he prospector. sounds in this movie he used it like a prospector voice whatever <laughs> so he uh with his weird little voice and his awful sweater and this it's a good scene, sweater uh, she comes down looking gorgeous and he takes her to the party where all of her friends are making out and then he performs and all the girls are like laughing and giggling and falling down on their chairs yeah like, yeah him jim carrey and a couple of the other guys who I don't 
they're not important. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they have an acapella group and they sing a song and it's wonderful. This is my favorite scene in the movie. It's not like good though. It is good. They're good singers. Nick Cage is a good st- sings. I don't know if he's actually singing. I assume he is. Um, well, he's singing in multiple movies, I think. Yeah, so I think that is him singing. But he's like he's good. Uh, this scene's fun. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> they go uh, they go for a drive later, and Peggy Sue's of making out with Charlie, and I guess deciding that you know she's gonna have a good time with Charlie. And uh, she's like, "Well, he is really cute." Yeah. So even she, though he's like a scumbag like, in the future, Charlie, we should make love. And he's like well i thought you didn't want to do that and starts like he's like we gotta wait till we're married peggy yeah and she's like well i changed my mind and he was just like he gets all flustered he's um, like, well we got i gotta take you home yeah he's like i don't his character is so weird in this because he's like presented as like a super popular like dude mm-hmm. but he's also kind of like dweeby yeah and like weird it's very it's, strange. It's, yeah, I'm not quite quite sure what. Um, I mean, but it's also the 60s, so maybe that was cool back then. I don't know. Um, this might be a good time to talk about. Apparently, uh, Kathleen Turner had many issues with Nick Cage during shooting this movie. Why? Um, okay, so I'm I'm reading this from just Wikipedia. So you know, um, but this is from her memoir that she wrote in 2008. Okay. Um, he caused so many problems. He was arrested twice for drunk driving and, I think, once for stealing a dog. He'd come across a chihuahua. Stealing a dog? Yeah. He'd come across a chihuahua he liked and stuck it in his jacket. On the last night of filming, he came into my trailer after he'd clearly been drinking heavily. He fell on his knees and asked if I could ever forgive him. I said, not right now. I have a scene to shoot. Excuse me. And just walked out. (laughs) Nicholas didn't manage to kill the film, but he didn't add a lot to it either. For years, whenever I saw him, he'd apologize for his behavior. I'd say, look, I'm way over it, but I haven't pursued the idea of working with him again. Um, That's good. The story does not end here. Um, Nick Cage apparently sued her over, over the claims of drunk driving and dog theft and won. Like Great. He sued for defamation. Um, That's wonderful. Uh, in exchange, he received a public apology from Turner admission from her publisher that the claims were false and defamatory and a pledge that Turner and the publisher would make a substantial donation to charity. What? During an interview in 2018, Turner commented on Cage's nasal voice that it was tough to not say cut it out, but it wasn't my job to say to another actor what he should or shouldn't do. So I went to Francis. I asked (laughs) him, you approve this choice? It was very touchy. He was very difficult on set. But the director allowed what Nicholas wanted to do with his role. Well, because it was his uncle. Yeah. So I wasn't in a position to do much except play with what I'd been given. If anything, Cage's portrayal only further illustrated my character's disillusionment with the past. The way I saw it was, yeah, he was that asshole. Um, Which is kind of a smart way to deal with the way another actor is acting on set. Yeah. I mean, his his choice was really weird and it it kind of was off-putting. And you were like, why is she even into this guy? You know what I'm saying? Because he's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a weird choice to make. But then again, you got to think about like Nicolas Cage and who he is. And I also found an interview with Nick Cage where he kind of talks about some of this stuff. Okay. Um, okay. So this is from a Yahoo Entertainment article. 
Um, the headline is Nicolas Cage didn't want to make Peggy Sue got married. Uh, and it's a quote. I must have said no five or six times. Um, Interesting. And uh, Cage said he must have said no five or six times and asked Coppola, Uncle, why do you want to make this movie at all? Um, <laughs> I think it's really funny that he calls him Uncle. Um, Coppola replied that it was like Our Town, which wasn't a selling point to Cage. By the way, I couldn't stand Our Town, Cage said. I had bad memories about Our Town. In high school, I was cast as blah, 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 blah. Uh, despite Cage telling Coppola no, he said, just come to rehearsal. And he finally agreed under under the condition that he could really go far out with the character and talk like Pokey from the Gumby show. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, <laughs> well, this actually this movie made a little bit of money. It won three Oscars, I think. Right. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Let me see. But yeah, Cage recalled showing up to rehearse and everybody was rolling their eyes because I was talking like that. He said Kathleen Turner, who played the title character, was very upset because she wanted me to be Al, my character from Birdie. And instead, she got Jerry Lewis on Psychedelia. Um, <laughs> here's her, a quote that uh, I like. Um, no, they got, it got nominated for three Oscars. So oh, it got nominated for Best Actress, Best Cinematography, and Best Costume Design in 1987. But didn't win any? No, just oh. nominations. I thought it won those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah... Um, Cage said that a producer from TriStar fl- flew up to fire me, and thankfully Uncle went to bat and said, young Nikki's doing this. But needless to say, I never worked for them again after that. I just, I'm just imagining this, rela- this relationship between Francis Ford Coppola and Nick Cage, where he's calling him Uncle, and he's calling him young Nikki. That's <laughs> really funny to uh, me. Well, the thing is, is, isn't this the movie, right, that got him in Moonstruck? Isn't this the w- according to him? Yeah. Yeah. So Cher, this is the one that Cher, Cher saw, saw that. and was like, okay, I want him in Moonstruck. And yeah. he had a good relationship with Cher throughout this, the filming of Moonstruck. So, but he also didn't throw on a weird voice for and Moonstruck. Have fake teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. I, I, sorry. I wanted to go on that. You know, I just found that interesting in like the <laughs> tiny <laughs> amount of research I did for this movie. Um, so she leaves. She like he takes her home because he doesn't want to have sex with her. Yeah. And uh, she ends up going like going to this like donut shop and she sees Michael, the poet guy. Poet beatnik guy. Yeah. Sitting in the corner reading. Smoking a cigarette. Reading something. And I thought it was so funny because she was like. Get Allen Ginsberg. Or yeah. Something. She was like, well, what's your idea of good literature? And he was like. Jack Kerouac. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking loser. And I was just sitting there laughing my ass off, but I was thinking about the the time period, and I guess that would make sense that he he was like, he just like says real things about real life. Oh, I mean, I think it's because this type of character is such a cliche at this point that it's just funny to see it. Yeah, for sure. So she goes on the Starry Night Walk with him um, to this like... They ride off on his motorcycle. Oh, yeah, they ride off on his motorcycle, and one of her friends, not one of her friends, one of her like enemies, I guess. She's like... She do, she's just she, a mean girl. Well, I mean, she isn't she like a, wants to be. She's like in the present timeline. She's like a reporter. Yeah. And so she's like constantly like trying to, I don't know, get in people's faces and like gossip about people and shit. Yeah. So um, she sees Peggy Sue and Michael ride off on their motorcycle. Yeah. And then Peggy Sue and Michael are having the ra- romantic night under the stars, mm-hmm. talking about everything. And then uh, he reads her some really awful poetry. <laughs> 
And then so he like speaks in shitty poetry. Yeah, practically in this scene. Hilarious. It's really funny. And so then they have sex, and she goes home. Yeah. Um, and that's basically it with that scene. But and then he kind of he's not really in the movie anymore after that. Is he? Well, he is because they go on oh. another date. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, they go on true. another date. So um, the next day, we see Nicolas Cage, like, come to her house. Like, she's, like, in the basement, I think, smoking a cigarette. Or, no, she's just down in the basement. Yeah. And they go to talk. And he's like, I can't believe I, I, I heard I heard rumors about you and um, you and, and that beatnik guy. Yeah, I don't remember what he says in this scene. Yeah, he's just like, well, is, are they true? I thought that we were, like, together. Are we broken up? Have we broken up? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm done with you, essentially. She's like, go away. Get out of my life. Right. Um, And she then smokes a cigarette out of a little music box that I guess she had hidden. I think that she said, like, oh, I quit I quit cigarettes years ago to her friends in the bathroom earlier in this movie. And they're like, what did... What do you mean years ago? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I remember that. Anyway, um, she, throughout this entire film, she's also uh, telling Richard Norvik secrets about things that have been invented in the future and, like, giving him, like, se- telling him, like, things like that. Like, Oh, yeah, he's uh, she's like, uh, Neil Arm- an astronaut named Neil Armstrong will walk on the moon on July 4th, 1969. And he's mm-hmm. like, that's, like, five years ahead of schedule. Yeah. Um, because I think at some point, I think it was maybe Kennedy or something said that like by like a, some year in the 70s, they'll have put a man on the moon yeah. or something like that. Um, I don't know. But they're like, I don't know, they're trying to hatch a plan as to like how they could possibly send her back mm-hmm. to her time. Um, yeah, this is like the most kind of underbaked part of the movie, just the whole like actual mechanics of the time travel yeah. plot. Um, it's mostly just about her relationship with Nick Cage's character. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Um, so they, she goes on a date with Michael uh, at this like bar. Um, I guess it's like a jazz bar of some sort. Yeah. And uh, she's, you know, drinking beer, whatever with him sitting at the table. And she, he's like, we should move to Utah. Polygamy is legal in utah and she's like um she says she's like allergic to chickens oh yeah she's like he he wants to like own a chicken farm and she's like oh i'm allergic to chickens and And she's like listen we're not like that like you know we're not like that into each other like yeah she's like let's just why don't you just like write a book about me (laughs) and he's like yeah okay sounds good and so she sees, she hears music and she's like, oh my God, that's Charlie. And she like stands up and yeah. Nicolas Cage is on stage singing with a group. Yeah, performing with this like jazz band. That's like um, not the same group that he normally sings with. No, this is like all like black musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the sense this is like, I mean, it was 1960. You yeah. get the sense this is like uh, a segregated like club. Yeah. Um. So she's like, oh, I, I didn't know that about him, that he's saying, you know, at this place. And and he's there because, like, a record executive is there. Yeah. And then after his performance, like, he comes back down and says to them, and he's like, yeah, no, you don't got it. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, really crushed by this. Yeah, um, it's horrible. Yeah. So uh, he w- the next day, um, Peggy tried to talk to him and is like, hey, like, she goes to his house. 
and he like comes out and she's like i wrote what's a song the, for you what's the like thing he does in this scene that made us both laugh a lot he just does like a weird noise or he says some weird line like right when he enters the scene like right after she gets to his house and like he i have no idea oh god it was some i think he just made a weird sound and it made us laugh because uh, he has that weird voice um I don't know. I do know that she gives him a song that she wrote for him and it's just She Loves You by the Beatles and he changes the words and he's like, well, I changed all the yas to oohs. So he's <laughs> he like, sings the song she loves it. you, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. So she's like, hey, um, I'm going to stop ruining everybody else's life. I'm going to go talk to Richard and say goodbye to him. And he's like, Richard's like, I want to marry you like just go ahead and marry me because I'm going to be a billionaire and we can build the world together. Oh yeah. That's the thing in the future. Like Richard is like a successful, like what does he do? He's, he's an like, inventor. He's yeah. 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 So he's like, he's like a big time guy now uh, where he is like a big loser dork in high school. Yeah. Um, and everybody's trying to be nice to him, but they all bullied him in high school. Yeah. So, um, she says, no, I'm not going to marry you, Richard. Like, I don't want to marry anyone. Um, I tried that whole getting married young thing and it didn't work out. So she goes to visit her p- grandparents for her 18th birthday instead of spending it with Richard. Yes. Or spending it with Charlie or spending it with Michael. This is, yeah, this is the part of the movie where it starts to kind of lose me. Uh, yeah. They, they bring up the grandparents before this because I guess they've died since, you know, by 1985, they both died yeah and she had like um, cried because she was like oh my god like oh yeah the grandma calls the house and then uh, her mom is like peggy sue your grandma wants to talk to you and then she like can't do it yeah um because she's so emotional but yeah she just like she, they live on this like weird farm out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. um so like she just goes to see them and then her grandma reveals that she can see the future yeah and that her her grandpa is like a member of like a weird a po- like, it's like lodge a, it's like a poker club that also does like rituals yeah they had like they <laughs> were founded they were founded by a guy who was a who was a uh, time traveler is what they said oh so yeah it was really weird so yeah. she like t- revealed to them that she was from the future and they listened to her and they believed her and um you know they she they go to do a ritual to send her back to 18 1985 and it's really strange they're all wearing weird hats they start like chanting the lights turn off and Peggy Sue disappears. Yes, they think it's because, yeah, they're all wearing these weird clothes. And they think it's because the ritual worked and she has now been sent back to her time. But really, uh, Charlie just showed up and just like whisked her away. Yeah. To like apologize and like, I don't know, like affirm his love for her. Yeah. So Charlie reveals to her that he. Is no, he's giving up on music. He gave up singing. He's giving 10%. His dad gave him 10% of the uh, furniture business. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, I can support you now. Will you marry me? And she was like, no. Yeah. But then. He gives her. A locket. A locket. That and she, she sees her babies in it. Yeah. She shows the locket at the beginning of the movie at the reunion. Um, and it's like the same locket. Mm-hmm. But it had, gives her in this scene. But it had pictures of her children in it at the reunion. And when she goes to see him, he gives her the locket. And it's got, she sees pictures of her, her of her children. But what he had put in there were pictures of them. 
and uh, oh, I see. She was like, "Oh, I got pictures from your mother." Okay, I guess I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't totally clear on what was actually happening here. Yeah, and then she's like, "Oh, I if I don't marry Charlie, I don't get to have my children." Oh, yeah. So then, so, yeah, they uh, have they start kissing and they start having sex, and then all of a and sudden, then she just wakes up. She wakes up in a hospital, and Charlie's sitting next to her crying. And then she like forgives him, and yeah. then it's they're gonna you know get back together. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I left I left her. I'm tired. I was tired of translating everything to her. And then she was like, um, I'd like to invite you over to your house on dinner for Sunday with your kids. I'll make a strudel. Because they, uh, they said whenever she saw her um, grandparents or whatever, she was like, yeah, we don't really see the rest of the family anymore. And the grandpa said, yeah, grandma strudel is what kept the family together. And so I guess oh. she decided that she was going to make a strudel for um, Charlie and the kids because it'll help keep the family together. I don't know. Yeah. The whole last act of the movie <laughs> is kind of where I was like pretty into it the first like hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a super long movie. Um, like all the stuff with Peggy Sue and Charlie and all the people in high school was like yeah. fun. And then it starts introducing like the grandparents that also know about time travel and she just kind of wakes up and like not to be like oh it doesn't make sense but like i do need a little bit more like how she gets back to i i generally am not one of those kinds of people who are just like oh this time travel plot doesn't make logical sense i just wish um, that it was like uh like i said she had gone to prom that and then would, she had passed out at prom that would probably make, make more sense and like you know bring it full, full circle full circle you know yeah um but yeah that's basically it i mean I I found this movie to be pretty enjoyable. Yeah. And Nick Cage is uh it's a kind of I hadn't really heard much about this like performance. It's very strange. It's it's really strange and like <laughs> worth checking out just to see what he's doing. Um, yeah. Uh yeah, in- uh, interesting interesting movie. Um so yeah, like we said it was nominated for 3 Academy Awards. Um yeah. it made 41.4 million dollars at the box office with an 18 million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Um what do the people think of this film, Ashley? So Tell us. it was a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. It had a 74 meta score and it had a 86% tomato meter. And a 55% audience score. What's that Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus say? Uh, Peggy Sue Got Married may seem just just an, another in a line of 80s boomer nostalgia films, but none of the others have Kathleen Turner keen lead for performance. Kathleen Turner's keen? There lead? wasn't an eight. There's not an apostrophe S here. Oh. Hmm. Kathleen Turner's keen lead performance, I think is what I was trying to say. Interesting. So uh, basically they're saying Kathleen Turner made it good. She is good in it. Yeah, she did a um, great job. Yeah, I thought she was like in her 40s when this movie was like came out. Because I, I was like, she like, I, I always assumed she was like older than she is. But she was like 31 or something when this came out. Um, so like she can kind of be- believably play, somewhat believably play a high school student. I guess. Um, yeah, no, I didn't realize. Okay. She's probably one of the older looking ones of the cast. It, I don't like know if it's as believable as everybody else, but I think. Yeah, she I mean, Jim Carrey passes pretty well for like, because yeah. he's like, he's, he is young. Like, you know, and I feel like most of the actors are in their 20s um, when they're playing the high school parts. So, 
Um, yeah, she hasn't really been in a lot of movies. I mean, she had a. I mean, she's primarily like, like seventies and eighties. I think is like mm-hmm. where her like peak was. Um, yeah, so I got that's why I assumed I think she was older. Um, but yeah, that's Peggy Sue got married, and we will be back in a moment to talk about The Rock. The Rock. And we're back. Yes. Now, we'll be jumping forward in time. Forward. 10 years. 10 years. To 1996. 1996. We're talking The Rock. Uh, 1996 action movie directed by Michael Bay, starring Nick Cage, Sean Connery, uh, and Ed Harris, primarily. Um, The plot synopsis, or premise per IMDb, a mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men, led by a renegade general, threaten a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. Um, yep. Have you ever seen this movie before? <sighs> Not before we watched it, no. I've seen this movie a ton of times. Yeah, I know you love it. I love this movie so much. Um, yeah, I feel like I saw this movie for the first time when I was like maybe like eight or nine, it was just a movie that would come on like TV all the time. This past week I watched it three times. We watched it together Mm -hmm. wherein I drank a third of a bottle of whiskey and got a little drunk. Just a little though. Yeah. We, we don't drink on this podcast though. Yeah, certainly not. No, not even a little bit. <sighs> no, never. Um, and then I watched it a couple days later, just so I can, you know, take notes and be in a, you know, clearer headspace while watching it. Yeah. And then the day after that, I watched it with the commentary, which features uh, Nick Cage, Michael Bay, uh, Ed Harris, and some like technical technical supervisor guy so i guess that Um, sean connery didn't want to do the commentary he was not involved i i I, yeah no they tell a lot of stories about sean connery in the in the commentary i'm excited to hear these stories i didn't watch the commentary version um because i don't do as much research as logan i mean this is the most research i've ever done for one of these discussions i think because this is a movie that i i i like a lot um and it's important movie um I also felt kind of obligated to do more research about it because it's a pretty like pivotal movie. There's that word again. Um, in Cage's career, this was like the first like action blockbuster he was ever cast in. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of kicked off the next like decade plus for him where he was like blockbuster movie star Nick Cage. Yeah. But this is really the beginning of that. Uh, he was just coming off of his Oscar win for Leaving Las Vegas. Um, and I guess Michael Bay... Uh, just likes Nick Cage, and I mean, I like Nick Cage. He taught you. You like Nick Cage? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I like him too. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, Nick Cage in the commentary, he was talk. He talked a lot about how he was like apprehensive about doing this kind of movie because he wasn't sure he'd be able to do like kind of what he wanted with it, and I guess. W- I'll talk about 
all the stuff that he did get to do that basically made his character what it is in this movie. Um, the things he did that kind of makes it in, more interesting than a typical, you know, action protagonist. Yeah. Um, the movie opens with immediately with that that Hans Zimmer score. Uh, the music is really good in this movie. Uh, I like it a lot. What? There was an issue I had with the music in this movie. What's that? Uh. What did it sound like, Logan? Oh, oh, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that part that you were talking about. Um, that, that comes the Hans Zimmer score sounds oddly like Pirates of the Caribbean. In one in one specific moment that we'll talk about, this movie came first. First of all, so it just feels like a lot of recycling on Hans Zimmer's part. On pirates, you mean? Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's not like it. It's not. Like it's the same exact music. It's that it's the same rhythms, but they're repeated instead of going like, instead of going da 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 da. It's like da 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 da. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. What's that have like, to do with this movie? It's like he almost had gotten to the da 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 So you're saying you need a few more years to like perfect it? I guess. Which he finally did in Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, I guess. Wow. Um, yeah, so the movie opens with uh, not that specific piece of score. That comes later, but just the... Starts with the music and images of Ed Harris, uh, General Frank Hummel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great character names in this movie, I think. Um, so Ed Harris plays Frank Hummel. He's yeah, he's a, like getting ready in his room. Yeah, and there's like, you're hearing like radio chatter of like soldiers under attack. And uh, Ed Harris being like, it has to stop. The yeah. lies have to stop. And he visits his wife's grave and is mm-hmm. like, uh, who had just, who had died like recent who has died recently, and is like, I just don't know what to do anymore. Maybe this will make them pay attention. Um, so the movie starts with the um, Ed Harris is the antagonist, and it starts yeah. with him, and it, uh, he's portrayed as a very like noble, like noble general, highly decorated. Yeah. Um, and he's well known in the cabinet whenever we see later, like all the advisors, the military yeah. advisors for the president. Um, they know who he is. They're like, oh, he's a hero. Um, so he's not painted as a bad guy by the government. They're like, he's yeah. just misunderstood. Yeah, he. it's an interesting character, I guess. We'll, we'll talk about it more as we go. But, But after he's talks to his wife at her grave there's a raid on like a military chemical weapons facility mm-hmm. where him and his group of like rogue marines uh infiltrate and like incapacitate all the guards and so, so they don't kill anyone yeah um they're all using like like tranquilizer guns and like but they do bag. end up one of their guys ends up dying yeah so they're they're stealing rockets of vx gas uh, which are contained in these really goofy but cool looking like spherical 
glass vials yeah full of like just like green jelly which yeah. apparently it was apparently like shampoo um it's like i forget the brand but it's like a bright green like shampoo oh. that is like what is in those things um it's like vo5 i know it starts with like a like a p or something um i don't know but yeah there's a part where one of the vials like starts rolling along the ground and like it hits a wall and shatters and boom boom and one of the marines gets like they're they're like oh fuck and then they like leave him in there and they like lock the door on him and his like skin melts off his skin's like starts bubbling and there he's like i'm sorry and he's like sorry um like his ed harris is like second in command guy it's a it's a cool opening um okay so we go from that opening raid scene to the introduction of nick cage's character uh, Stanley Goodspeed, a writ whose name, according to Cage, was originally Bill Goodspeed, and it was his idea to change it to Stanley. I think Stanley's a good name. There, that's a, there's lots of good. We got um, Stanley Goodspeed, Frank Hummel, mm-hmm. uh, John Mason mm-hmm. is Sean Connery's character. He's introduced soon. Um, They're all good names. Yeah, it's good, like good, like action movie names. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a chemical specialist at the fbi yeah he's a chemist um and his opening scene he gets a delivery of it's a 600 dollars beatles lp because he's a beetle maniac as he says um and cage in the commentary he talks a lot about how a lot of like the early musical references were another one of his ideas because he saw the uh we'll talk about the final musical reference at the very end of the movie the rocket man scene mm-hmm. and he was like i thought it would make more sense if we peppered in earlier in the movie that my character is like a music like a rock fan yeah uh so it makes a little bit more sense at the end when he does the uh, the wonderful rocket man mm-hmm. uh, one-liner yeah it's pretty um good. but he yeah he gets this lp delivered and then they get word that a package has been delivered to the FBI headquarters um, from Bosnia or something, and it's like suspicious. So they go into like this like chamber to like open it up, and there's like some magazines, a gas mask, and like a doll. Yeah. And the his like kind of second in command is like well, like a rookie guy, mm-hmm. um, who like starts like sh- like waving the baby's like arm at him, and like it makes gas or like like shooting out of its mouth um they're like oh fuck and then they like hit the exhaust and all this gas starts like flying up and like this scene is the camera's spinning all around everyone's yelling and it's all rapidly cut it's like it's uh i don't know what do you think about this scene they start screaming about uh oh it's corroding my suit it's yeah it's like eating it's eating through their suit and nick cage is like where are my sprinklers? So, like, and they're trying to get the water turned on. And they keep on trying to convince him to like stab his heart with this like. Yes, this where this where they introduce the what's it called? Um, the uh, atropine, which is like mm-hmm. a thing to ca- that counteracts like nerve agents. Yeah. Um, and he's like, get that shit away from me. He doesn't want to. Yeah, he's trying to defuse the bomb, and they keep yelling at him to 
inject that shit into your heart and then defuse the bomb. Yeah. Because it's like gas and explosives and it's going to basically wipe out the whole building if the bomb goes off. Yeah, he's like, get everybody um, out of here. You know, I'd rather, I'm going to try to get it, whatever. So everybody like leaves the build, like leaves the room and he defuses the bomb with one second left. Yeah, it's like, yeah, one or two seconds left. We cut to that front. He's sitting in his apartment, mm-hmm. like naked, mm-hmm. like plucking, guitar. plucking a guitar, listening to music. He's playing bass, like really badly. No, it's a guitar. I thought it was bass. No, it's a guitar. Uh, another detail from the commentary that I already told you about. Mm-hmm. But apparently in this, throughout this whole scene, Cage wanted to be wearing a purple Speedo. Yeah. Uh, he apparently had it on set. And then they decided not to actually like use it in the scene. Um, I don't know. Would have uh, been a good choice. But yeah, his girlfriend comes in. Um, he's like, "Oh, how, she's like, how was your day, sweetie?" Um, or no, he asks her, and then she's like, "Oh, you tell me first. And then he like tells the story about how like what happened at the office, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Honestly, I don't know why anyone." would want to bring a child into this into this fucked up in this crazy world um he's like you know just glass of wine a little guitar just relaxing um and then he's like oh what's your news and then she's like uh i'm pregnant and he's like oh i didn't mean any of that stuff about not bringing a child into this world <laughs> oh no yeah uh, no she's like she's like what were you saying about not wanting to bring a child into the world and he's like what it's <laughs> like just now he's like oh well i mean th- a lot has changed since then. <laughs> um, it's a it's a fun scene. Um, oh yeah, she propo- and then she proposes to him. Yeah. Um, and they're gonna get married and have a baby. And they like um, are later on are like, oh, I guess this is after things start happening. Never mind. Yeah. Well, we cut from this to um, Ed Harris and his group of Marines actually like going to Alcatraz mm-hmm. and hijacking like the tourist group there. Yeah. We also see Ed Harris like talk to these like little kids and, and tell say, them to go home yeah like tell your teacher you guys need to go home right now um so he's not he yeah he's not portrayed as like a psychopathic like madman who yeah. wants to like kill innocent people yeah um he like has some like uh nobility to him and, he has like, some revealing moments throughout the film i mean yeah at the end of the he he ultimately like doesn't can't really go through with his plan at the end but we'll talk about it um so they capture Alcatraz, um, and they set up the rockets that they stole. Um, and he calls he calls the Pentagon, basically with his demands. Mm-hmm. Um, He's like he wants like a certain amount of money wired to an account from this fund that apparently nobody, like the president, didn't know about because it's like a secret military he's so, like well god damn it that's classified it's like yeah he he works for like a shadowy like special forces group that when one of like his men dies their families are like told lies about what happened to them and aren't given compensation yeah so his whole motivation is to like extort money from the government to like pay out the families of his like fallen soldiers which um, is, I think, is a noble cause. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's portrayed with more like nobility and like respect than like the like government bureaucrats, which is like kind of a, a thing with Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, while he has, he's yeah, he's a fan of the U.S. military. Um, <laughs> That's. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, I wanted to point out a couple of his Marines on his like squad of people. We got Tuco from Breaking Bad. 
Okay. Um, you've seen Breaking Bad, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. So he, we got Tuco. He's not credited. I was trying to find him on like the IMDb, but he's not credited. Um, but he's the one that has like a like a top knot on his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we got John C. McGinley, Doctor Cox from Scrubs. Ed Harris calls, gives his demands, and then that he get, he gets off the phone, and then like the one of the Pentagon people asked the FBI director, "Who's the best chemical man you have?" Hard cut to him, Nick Cage, and his girlfriend having sex on the roof mm-hmm. with an absurd amount of candles lit all around them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're listening to Rocket Man. Yeah. Um, by Elton John. Yeah. So. She's wearing a really sexy outfit. She's like, "Do you like my pigtails?" And he's saying, "Like he's saying weird shit in this scene, something about like Pete Sherbet, or what does he say?" Um, I don't know. He in the commentary, he's he ta- like, "Pigtails are real naughty." He's naughty, naughty. Uh, <laughs> in the commentary, he talked about how like he was like channeling like his younger days, like when he was like, uh, <laughs> you know, with a lot of women, and, like yeah. how he would say that kind of stuff to them and he's like i was kind of channeling that in this scene um that's good (laughs) and then he gets a phone call from the fbi director and he's like i have to go to san francisco it's just a probably just a training exercise no big deal yeah and he's like come with me and she's like because she doesn't want him to go and he's like i have to go but you should come with me um which we know it's not a training exercise it's a bad idea yeah and she should not go to san francisco yeah um and then Nick Cage shows up. He, like, meets the FBI director, like, in an airplane hangar. Yeah. Um, and the guy, he's asking Nick Cage what he knows about uh, VX gas. And he's like, it's, uh, some nasty stuff, something we wish we could uh, disinvent. He's like, this um, isn't a training exercise, is it? He's like, no. They, they need somebody... The they need somebody to who knows Alcatraz and can kind of get them in yeah. undetected. Um, and the leader of the SEAL team that is going to be leading the mission is uh, Michael Bean. We have ourselves a deadfall reunion. <laughs> you don't like Michael Bean in this movie? Uh, I don't like him in Deadfall, but uh, he's he's good in this movie. He, he plays a good like military guy. I just don't like him in Deadfall. No, he sucks in Deadfall. I just thought it was interesting that he was in this. Yeah, no, it's good. I forgot that it was him. Yeah, it's really good when we have reunions we got reunions all around mm-hmm. wow so great yeah but yeah they need somebody who knows alcatraz and can get them in and this is where they introduce uh sean connery's character john mason mm-hmm. he is a former sas operative who uh escaped alcatraz in like the 60s and has been like in prison ever since um, it's just like a high uh, maximum security prison. I think that his character here is definitely like a hark. It harks back to his 007 days. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like a lot of times. I feel like that's why he was cast in this. Yeah, is because he has that kind of like swagger to him. Yeah, no, um, it definitely. He, he also like makes little comments that makes it seem like he really was James Bond. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, you think Sean Connery thinks he is James Bond? That's interesting. Like, he thinks, okay, so what happened after they replaced him as James Bond? He was like, oh, that's oh they're really going to tell my story. <laughs> yeah. um, I, can't, I can't do a good Sean Connery. Um, but anyway, the, they introduce him. He has, like, long, shaggy hair. 
and like the FBI guy is talking about him like he's like the most dangerous man alive and it's like really cool mm-hmm. um well because he had like escaped two maximum security prisons one of them being Alcatraz and somebody's like well nobody's ever escaped Alcatraz and they were like um why do you think it closed yeah they're like this man is a shadow and they Every time someone describes a character as a shadow, you know that they're like a tough motherfucker. Well, they had like erased his records from everywhere. Yeah. They talk, his name. Yeah, they get into more like what he actually did and like why why it was like so important that they keep him like imprisoned um, later on. But they go to San Francisco. Uh, Nick Cage... Uh, goes to this hotel where they're where they where they're keeping Sean Connery, mm-hmm. um, and we get another reunion from just last week from Raising Arizona. We got William Forsythe as one of the FBI agents. He's not a very um, good FBI agent. No, he but he's not speaking in like you know a Southern accent, and he he has a mustache. And he seems smarter. He's got you know neater hair. Yeah. Um. So he's he plays one of the main FBI agents. Um. So they he they he, they introduce him to uh, Stanley Goodspeed, mm-hmm. and then they have an interview, like interrogation with Sean Connery behind you know that, like, one way, two way glass. Yeah, it's it's one um, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, first, uh, William Forsythe goes in and talks to him, and it doesn't really work. Um, and then they're like, they look to Nick Cage and are like, "Hey, why don't you go in there and talk to him?" And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not I'm not qualified for that. I can't do that. And then they, like, bully him into doing it, basically. They're like, just lie. Oh, yeah. And then he enters. The scenes, I, I really like this scene. Um, because, like, he enters. He's like, hi. <laughs> he's like, he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm I'm with the federal um, FBI. I'm, uh, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, hello, Stanley. Um, he's like, well, you- so like what do you do are you like trained he's like i'm trained in terrorism and he's like cool so you're trained in combat he's like very well trained um <laughs> oh i'm sean connery and then nick cage uh, or he's like coffee and then uh, nick cage is like no i'm fine thank you he's like offer me coffee <laughs> um but yeah uh he and uh, nick cage, he's just so dorky in this movie and i, I find it delightful mm-hmm. i think he's so good in this um so according again according to the commentary Nick Cage apparently the character was written as more of like a guy like a cowboy type like itching to get onto the fe- into the field you know Yeah which is like basically the the opposite of what he It would have been like a trope like yeah. would have been really cheesy the, it, it, So what Cage brought to it was he wanted to make him like a big loser who like is terrified of fighting people yeah which is like kind of the core of the whole movie and like that's why i i just like love what he's doing in this movie so much because like it would not i could this movie would be like horrible without that character that way i think it would just be such a like a cliche bullshit yeah yeah so he's like i need a hotel i need a shower i need a shave and he's like may i also suggest a haircut Mm -hmm. and he's like why what's wrong with my hair um he's like you look like a hippie or something. No, he's like he's uh, he's like, well, it's a grunge thing, and he's like he doesn't know what Sean Connery doesn't. Know is what that grunge? Gr- yeah, he doesn't know what grunge is because he's been in prison for forty years. Um, they go up to the hotel where he gets a haircut and a nice suit, and he's mm-hmm. looking dapper as hell. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he like goes out to the balcony to get his haircuts. Yeah. And he calls room service while he's in the shower. Well, he's, yeah, he's in the shower. He calls room service and he pulls like this little like string out from the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is for. I've never seen that before. Yeah, neither have I. But it's like a string and he like while he's getting a haircut, he has the thing over him. and He's like wrapping it around his like hand. And then he after his haircut, the FBI director, they have like a past history that they get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they hate each other. You forgot to say like that Sean Connery punched through the fucking glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when, when, whenever he was in the interrogation, when room. William Forsyth comes in, he like gives him a quarter. Yeah. For some reason. And then it rolls off the table and he like puts his foot on it or something. And then, like, after Nick Cage interviews him and they're back in the, you know, the other room where he can't see them, mm-hmm. like, he he takes the quarter and, like, does, like, a circle with it on the glass and, like, just, like, punches it out. And then he's with us where he sees the FBI guy, uh, Womack is his name. He's like, he's like, oh, he's you- like, Womack, you piece of shit. <laughs> so, like, they have history. Um, yeah. And then after he gets his haircut. He, and they're like, Womack, Nicholas Cage is like, well, you got to tell me who this guy is. And he's like, you're on, it's a need, on a need to know basis and you don't need to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he says something to uh, Sean Connery and then he's like, shake on it. And then like he goes to shake his hand and he wraps the string around his like wrist and like throws him off the mm-hmm. balcony. And he's like dangling there. And then Nick Cage pulls his gun on him. He's like, he's like, don't do it. He's like terrified he's like i'm gonna Um, drop your boss off this building he manages to get away and this is where that music comes in where it sounds almost exactly like the pirates of the caribbean music um and then this leads to a car chase while the fbi agents are in there like eating not eating the yeah they're eating like the room service yeah there's like while nick cage is like freaking out outside and he like they finally hear him call for help after he, after Sean Connery runs away. Yeah, so the, all the um, FBI agents help the boss get up, and then Nicolas Cage starts chasing the chasing Sean Connery. Sean Connery takes a guy's Humvee, mm-hmm. and then Nick Cage steals a dude's Ferrari, mm-hmm. and then a chase ensues that uh, it's a little incomprehensible. The chase yeah, itself, you it's don't not. Really know what's going on? It's not really that good. It's like all super tight close-ups on. Yeah their faces from the front so you can't tell where the other car is yeah basically they're um, smashing through shit a bunch of other there's cops. Some cool yeah there's some yeah. cool like explosions and shit but so, like it's mostly also uh, sean connery gets a phone call from the owner of the humvee and he's like i'm just borrowing it yeah um nick cage smashes like drives through like a warehouse and like yeah. smashes through the window which is cool mm-hmm. um and then the car there's like a one of those like trams yeah that go you know up and down the hills and stuff that like goes off the rails and like explodes and like destroys the Ferrari also. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nick Cage gets out just in time and then steals a guy's um, like dirt bike. And he, Nick Cage gets the classic Michael Bay shot in this scene where it's low angle spinning around him in like a circle. Mm-hmm. It looks tight as hell. Yeah, it's so cool. But he he learned from his. Uh, the he like th- called his buddy back his uh the rookie guy yeah and he's like hey i need to find out more information about this john mason guy yeah so they find they, they they're able to find his name but they find a next an address for a next of kin which is his daughter yeah 
So he kind of follows the daughter. Because he knew that he had escaped from Alcatraz. And so he said, who was discharged from Alcatraz on this date? Yes. Yeah. And then Sean Connery is also going to meet his daughter um, mm-hmm. because she, he knows where to go also. So they're both like, they're both converging on like where his daughter is. Yeah. Um, and then Sean Connery gets there first. And then they, he has a scene with his daughter mm-hmm. um, where you get a little bit more just like character stuff with him. Yeah, you find out um, that he had like escaped from prison and had sex with her mom after like an Aerosmith concert. Yes. Or yeah. Led Zeppelin concert. Led Zeppelin concert. Yeah, yeah. And then disappeared because he got picked up by the FBI. Yeah. Um, And she was like, well, y- you know, whatever, you're a piece of shit. You got picked up by the FBI. Like... Obviously, you guys didn't really have a relationship, and he was like, "Yeah, but you so know, you're the only pr- you're the only proof that I exist." Yeah, yeah. So he wants to reconnect with his daughter, and, then and this is really the only time that that is even brought up that they don't really return to it at all. Well, no, um, there there is that because he's, you know, he's thinking about his daughter while he's on the rock, and that's what that's what's keeping him from like letting all of San Francisco fall apart is that his daughter is there and she'll die. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I guess so. so yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage is sitting there listening to them talk. Um, yeah, he kind of gives him a chance to talk with his daughter before, like, busting it up. Yeah. Um, which Sean Connery ap- appreciates. And then yeah. the rest of the FBI shows up. And he also, like, interferes, and he's like, he's like, your your do- your father is helping the FBI, so, you know, do something very important. So, she ma- he paints him as a good guy to his daughter. Yeah. And then Sean Connery's like, thanks for that. You could have, you know, done that another way. And then Nick Cage utters the classic line. Why don't we cut the chit chat a hole? Uh, he doesn't like to swear really. Um, he doesn't start swearing until towards the end of the movie where he becomes. Was that a Nicolas Cage choice? Uh, yes, I believe he talks about that. How he wanted to him, he wanted to like the ch- make the change of his language reflect the change of like the character over the course of the movie. Another nice. another thing, apparently, this was just a weird detail during the car chase. Michael Bay talked about how when he films car chases. He like does the car sounds himself because he d- they don't actually shoot like when they do all the like the really close angles and like shaking the camera, you know, um, they he'll like shake the camera and like make car noises with his mouth. Yeah, as <laughs> well as a really weird. Wait, so all the car noises in the movie are from his mouth? No, no. Just when he's directing them because um, they're not actually driving the cars. In like those like really tight shots of their faces, um, he talked about how he uses like lights and like shakes the camera to make it look like it's moving, um, and then he does car noises. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Weird guy. He, you know, you know. Anyway, so uh, the car chase ends. He gets picked up by the FBI, and uh, he agrees to help them save San Francisco from the nerve right. gas attack. And then they're, you know, planning out what they're going to do in their, like, infiltration of Alcatraz. Um, Cage learns at this point that he's actually going in with the SEALs. Which freaks him out. Which he goes and pukes in the bathroom, and him and William Forsythe have a conversation about how his girlfriend is in San Francisco and she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, we'll go pick her up, make sure she's, like, safe. Um, I always forget... Um, it takes almost like it's almost exactly halfway through the movie that they actually go to Alcatraz. I always think it's like sooner than it is, um, but it takes a little bit of time before they actually get there. It feels like um, most of the movie, though. Like when you watch the movie, it feels 
yeah feels like a very long sequence well, i mean it's like yeah it's like it's split into like those like pretty even halves of like pre alcatraz and then the alcatraz section yeah so they you know get into alcatraz um they lead sean connery leads them into this like this like boiler room mm-hmm. where it seems like a dead end but there's this like shaft of like fire that he like memorized the timing to when he originally escaped yeah and so he like rolls through this like tunnel of fire one of the seals is like to nick cage where'd you find this guy and he's like that's classified well um, he said no you're on a need to know basis and you don't need to know no sean connery asked nick cage a question on the oh, way oh yeah because he called he was calling his girlfriend yeah 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 oh yeah no no yeah it's right before he escapes actually the hotel mm-hmm. yeah he's on the phone with his girlfriend in the van or whatever um yeah but then the seal is like where'd you find this guy and he's like that's classified and then sean connery opens the door for them he's like welcome to the rock and then there's the big scene in the shower room mm-hmm. where they the marines have set a trap mm-hmm. uh like with a motion sensor so they they'll know when someone enters through there we got the navy seals on the bottom level and the marines on the top and then ed harris is there and is basically like give up it's over we got the high ground and then mike ed harris and michael bean are both like really good in this scene because mm-hmm. they're just like shouting at each other he's like you know i can't do that sir he's like i won't give that order he's like give that order god damn it you know i can't do that he's like you walked in the wrong goddamn room commander you're down there we're up here and then like a brick falls and then they all start shooting and he keeps on saying like cease fire cease fire but by the time they actually cease fire everybody's dead yeah everyone yeah so nick cage sean connery and one of the other navy seals stay down below while this is all happening then the last seal goes up and gets killed mm-hmm. and then nick cage freaks out because his body falls and is like hanging upside down and like it's just bl- at this point nick cage and sean connery Yes, and that's basically the rest. The rest of the movie is basically those two trying to stop the Marines. Um, yeah, even though a bunch of Navy SEALs couldn't do it, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage can. Listen, they're the heroes of the film. They have to do it. So yeah, after this, Nick Cage tries to you know act all tough because Sean Connery is like, "Fuck this, I'm leaving," mm-hmm. and he's like, "Freeze, sucker!" And he, he's like trying to act all tough. Then Sean Connery is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And like, he's like following gonna... him behind. He's like, you know, you can't escape. You have nowhere to go. Your daughter's going to die. What? Why are you leaving? Screaming at him through the tunnel, following him. And because he's screaming so loud, the Navy SEALs hear him. And they're yes. like, we have rats in the tunnels. Yes. And then they, uh, they drop a bomb down into the sewer tunnels mm-hmm. or whatever. And then there's a crazy shot where they're like, they jump under the water and then like a thing of fire like goes over them. Mm-hmm. And I did not know this until I watched it with the commentary, but they did that for real. And they were warned, Nick Cage and Sean Connery were warned warned that if they came up for air at any point when that was happening, they would die. Like, that was, they really shot a thing of fire. I think Michael Bay was like, yeah, Nick was like, so if I come up, like, my face is basically getting melted off. And he was like, yeah. Uh, So... They're apparently not even really happy 
that they had to do that. Apparently, Sean Connery was like very pretty upset that that oh, that was a thing he had to do. Um, Nick Cage, I guess, took it took it more in stride, but was still you know. Oh my! Freaked out. God, I didn't. Uh, that's crazy. I did not know that before. I. What these actors go through, man. I, don't, I think Michael Bay just might be a crazy person. I don't know. I wonder how much he put Shia LaBeouf through. Is that what finally broke Shia LaBeouf? Probably. No, Shia LaBeouf's a good guy now, though. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. He's still crazy though. We yeah. w- we watched. Uh, but it's all Michael Bay's fault. We watched. Uh, Maybe it started with ho- with holes. Oh yeah, that made him twisted. <laughs> uh, what was that movie with Shia Shia LaBeouf we watched? We watched uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, that was a pretty good movie. It was a good movie. It was heartwarming. It warmed my heart. No, it was heart heart warming. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, and then Sean Connery, I guess, decides that he is going to, you know, help. Nick Cage is like, "I'll try my best to help you out," and then. Another famous line from this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Connery says, Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. And then Nick Cage is like, Carla was the prom queen, bitch. <laughs> Carla was the prom queen, bitch. Okay, so then there's the scene. Then they come up to the morgue in Alcatraz where one of the rockets is. Um, and they have a shootout with the guys that are in there. Sean Connery kills them. Mm-hmm. One of them, he kills, he shoots him in the feet and then he shoots the air conditioning thing above him and it crushes yeah. his head. And it's like, well, this squishy. is a whole like sequence in the minecart room, right? That's after this. Okay. Sorry. Um, so they go and disable the first rocket mm-hmm. where it's in this, like, you know, like I mentioned before, this like, crazy looking string of it's probably not the most practical this is the pearl configuration it's really unstable yeah it's like he's like uh it's elegant but unfortunately pretty unstable um but you know sometimes he's got cool looking shit in a movie you know it's not practical but also um he's like he sees the twitching of the leg of the dead guy under the air conditioner and he's like how the fuck do you make that stop He's like, is that normal? (laughs) He's like, what, the leg thing? He's like, yeah, no, the feet thing? Yeah, the feet thing. (laughs) Um, And then, like, Sean Connery kind of gets his comeuppance in this scene because he's, like, being snarky with Nick Cage while he's handling the rocket. Mm -hmm. Then Nick Cage is like, listen the fuck up, dude. This is my shit now. This is the stuff I know about. He has a whole monologue. Yeah. If you don't mind. Yeah, please. Listen, I'm just a biochemist. Most of the time, I work in a little glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. I drive a Volvo, a beige one. But what I'm dealing with here is one of the most deadly substances the Earth has ever known. So what do you say you cut me some friggin' slack? And then Sean Connery's like, whoa. All right, bro. Um, You know, honestly, the energy he was giving there gave me some real national treasure vibes. Okay, so like whenever he's like talking to Abigail and they're like doing the whole Declaration of Independence thing. Yeah. The vibe that he was given out. Oh, yeah, because he's like an expert. Yeah. And he's like finally being. He's like, good at playing an expert. Yeah, he's not. He, he's kind of useless when it comes to, you know, shooting people. But then when it comes time to disarm some deadly rockets with chemicals, he's like, this is my shit. Yeah. I can do this shit. Why don't you sit down, Sean Connery? Um, 
And then at this point, they the Marines know that they did not kill the two people that were left, so they go looking for him. Then there is the minecart chase shootout thing, which is also mostly incomprehensible. And they know that there are three rockets left at this point. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's at this point where uh, John C. McGinley and two of the other guys go to try to find them. Uh, he gets set on fire by Sean Connery and dies. Yeah. And then he kills another one. And then the final guy, he's about to kill Sean Connery. And then Nick Cage uh, kills somebody for the first time. Yeah. He's sa- saving Sean Connery, which he plays, which he plays really well. He's like freaked out and like, he's like, how do you do it? you know kill people i mean yeah but the rest of the movie is basically them just like disarming rockets and mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of like sean connery almost leaving and nicholas cage chasing him and asking him to come back and yeah well it's after this point that he's basically committed now um no because he tries to leave whenever there's only two there's like a, two rockets left. okay yeah, he's briefly in and then he's like out again yeah um but then there's the part where the marines and the general like bring out one of the hostages mm-hmm. from the tour group and they're like they're going to kill him if they don't like deliver back the like like nick cage pulls out like the guidance chips for the rockets yeah to, like disable him and he's like they're like bring those back we're gonna fucking kill this guy and then they smash him yeah and then sean connery like gives himself up and he's like acting like he's the only one who's he's, like doing a distraction a distraction while nicholas cage is disarming rockets yes which doesn't end up working because another group captures nick cage yeah. Um, but, but Sean Connery allows himself to get captured and then he has like a, a conversation with, uh, Ed Harris. Yeah. Where, um, where Ed Harris is like explaining himself. Um, he's like, Sean Connery is like, all due respect, this is an act of lunacy, General Sir. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. Then they have a conversation about their philosophies. Sean Connery quotes Oscar Wilde and gets like punched. Yeah, because, uh. I think that Ed Harris tries to make a, he's like, well, you're pretty far from home. Cause he's like, Oh, are you a part of the military? And he's like, yes, part of like the, whatever the Royal military He's like, Oh, you're far from home. And he tries, he makes a literary reference. And then he quotes, Sean, he quotes Thomas Jefferson. And then Sean Connery um, quotes Oscar Wilde. And that pisses off the general. Cause he's like, Oh, fucking smart ass. Yeah. Um, he's like, thank you for proving my point. So at this point, yeah, while this is happening, Nick Cage is defusing another one of the rockets and is captured by yeah. uh, the Marines. He does a really cool thing where he like throws the chip to like, oh, that's later on. Maybe he like throws a chip to distract one of the guys and steps on it, like comes, throws it to distract him and then kills him and steps on it. Um, Maybe it's later on. Maybe. Anyway, so he gets captured. They both get put in prison cells. Yeah, they're both in different levels of the cell block yeah and nicholas cage is just talking and talking yeah and talking. he delivers another really good monologue okay you got it yeah okay i'm ready so yeah he's like just kind of talking and while he's doing this sean connery is like like jerry rigging like a way to get to open the cells yeah um so nick cage is like so you broke out let me see if i can get this straight you went down the incinerator chute on the mine car, through the tumble through the tunnels to the power plant under the steam engine. That was really cool, by the way, and into the cistern through the intake pipe. But how, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? 
And in that in that moment, Sean Connery opens the cells. Yes. Cell doors. And that's, of course, where we get the title of... Zeus's butthole for this conference. Yes. Okay. So... so I, I felt important to quote that monologue. That's definitely really important. So, uh, Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery then go to defuse... Oh, yes. No, Sean Connery tries to leave at this point because he's like, I'm fucking done. I got to get out of here. Yeah. This is no longer worth it. The rockets are about to go off. Yeah. Well, at this point, you start cutting back more to Ed Harris and the Marines yeah. and he's starting to get kind of cold feet about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, he's convinced by one of the other couple of the other guys to like launch one of the rockets. Yeah. And the like government, that and the government's serious. sending over bomber jets to that's, blow up the island. That's a, if, as like a fail safe. If, yeah. Um, there's going to blow up everyone on there, mm-hmm. but yeah, he launches one of the rockets because he's like pressured to do it. Yeah. Um, and he diverts it on purpose. So it crashes into the water and doesn't like, do anything yeah um and then his men mutiny and then they mortally there's like a shootout and like standoff where a bunch of people get shot and killed Mm -hmm. um ed harris is mortally wounded and right before he dies he manages to uh tell nick cage where the final rocket is it's in the lighthouse it's in the lighthouse um Ed Harris jokes in the commentary about how like this was the extent of his interaction with Nick Cage yeah. in the movie because it's you know that's their only scene it's like him about to die Nick Cage is just like where's the last rocket um, and Nick and, he, and this is also a point where we he, we have have um, Nicholas Cage and right before this happens Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery like listening in on the mutiny like yeah they're it like happen. yeah they're like and they hiding. jump in and they start like shooting everybody else trying to protect um the general yeah they, they saw that he's like not actually going to go through with it and yeah. he's like they try to get his help um so and so there really is only like three guys left that yes there is been. tony todd is the actor uh, he's the guy who you know follows nick cage into the lighthouse mm-hmm. um where we have the scene yeah where they bring everything full circle where Nick Cage is holding the like thing of gas and yeah. Tony Todd has a knife. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you come here, man? I'm not going to hurt you. And he's like, uh, do you like the uh, Elton John song Rocket Man? He's like, I don't like soft ass shit. He's like, oh, well, uh, uh, I only bring it up because uh, it's you. You're the Rocket Man. Then like flips the switch and he goes out the window, out of the window, shot with the rocket. Mm-hmm. And he falls and is impaled on, like, a fence post. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage uh, goes up to the top of the lighthouse, snatches the rest of these gas things, and then grabs, has one of them because it almost falls. And one of them falls, and he, like, dives for it and, like, catches it just in time. Mm -hmm. And then there's... So he's, like, holding it in his hand. And, yeah. And then Sean Connery kills one of the last guys who's shooting at Nick Cage at the top of the lighthouse from, like, a building opposite. And then there's just one other guy, one guy left. Yeah. And then he gets in like a fist fight with Nick Cage and he's like choking him on the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to enjoy my million dollars, you motherfucker. Because like that's what they were promised that they would be paid by Ed Harris for their services. Yeah. A million dollars. Um, and then Nick Cage has the fucking ball of gas. And he's like, eat this motherfucker. And he like shoves it in his mouth and punches it. Um. And he's like, and then Nicolas Cage runs away and stabs himself with the, with the, what's it called? Atropine. The atropine. And in the commentary, Cage talks about 
this just feels like a very cage thing mm-hmm. that I, I should have assumed was an inspiration for the way he acts when he's like about to inject himself. He talks about being inspired by Japanese kabuki, like with the way he's like doing that in that scene. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say about that because it's very bizarre and a thing like that he would do. Yeah. Um, But then, so he's, you know, he saves himself from being like harmed by the gas. Um, And at this point, basically everyone thinks that they failed. So they're going with plan B, which is just fucking blowing up the island and then he like looks to the side and he sees the jets so they were told before that um to launch green flares Mm -hmm. when the threat has been neutralized Mm -hmm. so at the very last second as the planes are approaching nick cage runs out with the flares and you get that absolutely fucking iconic image of him on his knees with the flares out Mm -hmm. with the jets flying overhead and he's like screaming um and one of the jets drops drops the bomb yeah. too early. He's like, fuck, I already dropped one. Yeah. Um, but it misses the cell block, so no one is killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nick Cage is blown out into the into the water where Sean Connery comes comes back mm-hmm. and saves him, drags him out. Yeah. And then the FBI guy calls Nick Cage and is like, Where's Mason? Yeah. He's like, uh and he like looks at him and he's like, He's dead, sir. Yeah, he disintegrated. He vaporized. Vaporized, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... And he's he, like, oh, he vaporized? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. He's like, oh, it's very possible. It's very so. possible, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he allows Sean Connery to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right before he leaves, Sean Connery like tells him where to go, where to go to go in Kansas mm-hmm. to find... Um, oh, earlier in the movie, the reason that he was imprisoned yeah. was that he had a microfilm with all like the US government secrets on it. Yeah. And they like imprisoned him without trial for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, that's why he's so pissed off um, at the FBI and stuff. Um, so he tells Nick Cage where he can find that microfilm. It's like in a church in Kansas. Yeah. And then the very end of the movie is him and Carla. Just married. Just married. She's pregnant. Yeah. And he runs out of the church. He's, he's wearing like almost like a Raising Arizona-esque outfit where yeah. he has like a big shirt on and like a hat um and the the priest is like running after him like, like thief, hey, thief thief come back here and then he's like babe do you want to know who really killed jfk and that's the end of the movie roll credits Woo! good Damn, movie i love this movie so before we come so fucking good before we figure out uh which movie won um let's go ahead and do our little review uh little critics Okay, so what's going to happen? You're going to read a line from a review. Read a line from a critic uh, review, and then you have to guess which movie it's about. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, uh, a charming little comedy grounded in irresistible performance. Peggy Sue got married. Easy. Since the plot is ridiculous, this movie works best when it's the most most lighthearted. The Rock? Yes. This movie is far from the worst movie that this director has made. But given its roster of impressive performers and promising opening hour, it might just be the ADD-afflicted filmmaker's most disappointing film. Peggy Sue. No, that's The Rock. What? Twisted, touching, and a great vehicle for the lead actor. Peggy Sue. Yeah. One of the director's least overbearing films, but not overbearingly good. The Rock? Peggy Sue. Okay. 
As relentlessly dumb and implausible as the Die Hard movies, but even more entertaining, this loud, violent action film profits greatly <laughs> uh, from the galvanizing pre- presence of this lead actor. So you're not going to guess which movie this is. You're going to guess which lead actor. Oh. Sean Connery. That's what that's... Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sick. He is first build. Nick Cage is not first build on The Rock. I assume that's just, you know, Sean Connery being like... I want to be top billed in this picture. I get that. This time, the director apparently simply wanted to make a movie and put some characters on the screen and tell a story. Peggy Sue. Here you don't see... Yes, sorry. Here you don't see director, the camera wizard. You see director, the storyteller, the maker of fables. And by the end, you don't feel warmly toward the movie, but toward the man behind it. Peggy Sue. Yeah. It's not the most awful thing I've ever seen but it's close enough to make me wince. The Rock? Yep. Ugh. Makes Yucky. up in, makes up in one-liners for what it lacks in logic. And The Rock. Yes. Yeah. These are very different movies, so it's not that difficult to, Yeah. you know, differentiate. So and you're right over there? What? You seem bummed out. Yeah, I know. I'm just, it's been a long episode. You, you don't want to talk about The Rock some more like I do? No, it's a I'm long, long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk. I, I could just talk. I really like the rocks. So I could talk about it forever. I don't. I don't know. So let's go ahead and uh, decide who won. Okay. One, two, two three. three. The rock. the rock. Yeah. As it, sh- I like Peggy Sue got married. Um, it's pretty good, but like, I don't know. It did lose me towards the end, and I think. The Rock is a great example of what Cage can do when he's allowed to do kind of what he wants and like craft. He was allowed to do what he wanted also in Peggy Sue Got Married though. So that's true. That's true. But I mean, where to the benefit of the movie, I think in the case of The Rock where it's it's, from what it sounds like, and this is really actually just according to him. So who knows? Mm -hmm. But like a lot of things that make that character work. And then by extension, the movie work is, what he's bringing to it that's true so it's like i don't know it's definitely a highlight for me okay so we have uh so far in this conference um we have had raising arizona versus captain corelli's mandolin where raising arizona won yes and then now we have peggy sue got married versus the rock and the rock won um coming up in this conference which is zeus's butthole we have zeus's butthole we have Trespass versus G-Force. Yes. A score to Settle versus Con Air. Yes. Firebirds versus Sunny. The Cotton Club versus Wild at Heart. Birdie versus Racing with the Moon. And Mandy versus Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Um, I believe our next matchup is Birdie versus Racing at the Moon. I've never heard of or seen either of those movies. I'm excited to see them. Maybe one of them will surprise us. Uh, he, Nick Cage referenced Birdie in that one interview I read. From yeah, so maybe the characters will be similar. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, um, I think that's it, right? Something else yeah, to say? I, yeah, I, I know you're itching for this episode to end, so I'll just say thank you to Mastodon for our theme song. And thank you, Color Saudi. Um, Colors Odyssey on tw- it's Color Saudi on Twitter, and Colors Odyssey is their name for our new art. It looks awesome. It does it looks so good. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the Good Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at Generally Done. Uh, you can 
uh, again, follow the podcast at Cage Off Podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And just in general, have a cagey, cagey, cagey day. Cagey, cagey day. All right. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.